And good afternoon and welcome to the Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until 2 o'clock with the finest of music performed by women. And we just listened to the one and the only Deidre McCullough, uh, somebody I have been playing and listening to for, well, pretty close to 50 years. Well, not quite 50. We're not going to go into the totally 50 years. But back in the in the mid-70s, 1977 to be exact, we started a brand new album from Deidre uh, called Endless Grace, which is such a beautiful title. Um, we heard Shoulder to the Wheel, and then after that, from her album she put out in 2003, Playing for Keeps, uh, Walk Me to the River, and then we ended with a very lovely uh, love song with Amaryllis, also from uh, most recent album, just came out in June, Endless Grace from Deidre McCollin. Deidre, are you here? I am here, Deb. Good, good afternoon. Or is it still morning there? You're good. You know, you're, you're, you're afternoon right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might be morning. We're afternoon. Or no, you're afternoon because you're no, at, no, you're I'm, way I'm out west. I'm definitely afternoon. I'm out, I'm out on the East Coast, yes. Yeah, you're way We're in the lovely city of, of Lincoln, Nebraska, where I used to live, actually. I lived there for two years. Oh, my goodness. You have a lot of connections, don't you? Yes. <laughs> uh, you have so many connections. I, we could just go on about all the people you know, places you've been. Yeah, both of us, you know, I really um, will in uh, 2023 be celebrating 50 years of doing this. Um, okay. My first paid gig was in 1973. My first uh, um, album at all with Relit Records came out mm. in 1973. I came out in 1973. It was a very <laughs> good year. <laughs> For coming out, it was absolutely perfect. So Yes. We weren't exaggerating about 50 years. Um, I was thinking, yeah, that's right. You put out, when you were 19 years old, you put out an album. Yes, I was. And that's pretty darn young. And it was something on a kind of a major label, like Roulette Records. Um, I always, yeah, Roulette, which was the, for your listeners who are of a certain age, I mean, probably our age, um, <laughs> was the home, Roulette was the home of Tommy James and the Shondell. So I, I always referred to it as a minor major label. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Tommy James, he had his uh, moment in the sun for sure. Well, the, the, oh, great, for sure. the great thing about you is that uh, even at our age, as you mentioned, our age, and we are exactly the same age uh, and exactly the same birthday, pretty much, I think, close to 50 miles apart. Um, were you born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by the way? No, I was not. I was actually born in Darlington, South Carolina, and that's where my mom's family was from. Um, and she was actually uh, fully living, residing in Atlanta at the time, but she went home to visit her cousin Louise, thinking she had a few more weeks. But I mm. guess I wanted to be born in Darlington also because I started screaming to come out. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I, was I, was born, I was born in the South. I lived here. My mom probably moved my brother and I uh, north when I was probably uh, five or six, somewhere um, in that range. I am now back in the South. I've been back in the in Atlanta area um, for about 28 years now. Oh, well, you're definitely established in Atlanta, which is probably a great place to live. Well, to kind of give you an idea, you've put out this brand new album in June. It's called Endless Grace. Uh, it is like top of the folk charts, which must feel really gratifying to you. You know, after all these years, um, it really is gratifying for for my work and my music um, to be embraced 
mm. um, by uh, the folk community in such a strong way as this album is being. Um, it's, it's kind of um, a long time coming, and, and finally, mm. you know, in my mind, um, I, I think my other albums did deserve this kind of recognition, but I'm not arguing. Endless Grace is finally um, is, is hitting that kind of um, notational lotto, so um, it does feel good. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Um, uh, you know, to be able to be uh, doing music as long as you have, put out five albums, three of them the Olivia album label, uh, which we all are very familiar with, at least the people who are around during the women's music movement. Uh, you uh, just keep going strong. There's a lot of uh, women from that time. Well, of course, actually, I shouldn't say that because a lot of those women from that era that you worked with back in the 70s, you're still working with a lot of those women. Um, with some of them, Vicki Randall is still around. Crystal is actually still around, but she's mostly, you know, doing her horse thing down in New Zealand. Right. I actually tried very hard to get um, Teresa, who produced my three Olivia albums, to also work on this one. But because of COVID, I just couldn't get her out of New Zealand yeah. um, in, in, in a way that made sense. But, you know, she does come to the States and is still doing music. Um, Chris. Williamson, of course, is, is still performing. Um, so a lot of us are still performing, and I think it's those of us that actually started our careers before there was even a women's music network, cultural revolution, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are those of us that, that started out in in bars, oh, <laughs> right. just singing wherever we could, and in coffee houses wherever we could, and really... Um, cut our teeth on on learning how to um, perform for an audience in a non-women's music um, environment because that's what was there for us and that was what was in our hearts to do. So I think those of us that had it in our hearts even before the incredible Women's Music Network mm. um, evolved, um, it was already in our hearts to be performers and we are still doing it. Well, that certainly does make sense because I know Chris Williamson was on a, a major minor label before she right, ever right. met Meg right. Christian and, and got that whole Olivia idea going on uh, as they were looking at... I think Meg saw one of Chris's albums because Meg was a music collector. And Probably. You know, again, I, when I was um, uh, leaving Vassar, when I graduated from Vassar, um, in my last year I was music director of the radio station and, and then, no, it's called... Oh. Prophetic. I was, as I was doing the final lockup of the radio station, you know, graduation had happened and, and I had to turn in keys and stuff. I, I was leaving and on this, on the counter, um, was an album I had never seen before, which was unusual. I was a hmm. music director. I was supposed right. to see everything. But it was the Ampex album uh, that Chris Williamson sent. It was Chris Williamson, I forget the title. And I, I kind of picked it up and, and I hadn't heard of women's music at that point. I was like, huh, I wonder who that is. And, but I was graduating. I was done. I set it that down. But really, that was literally the last album I saw when oh my I left gosh. the radio station. That's yeah. <laughs> pretty uh, prophetic. Yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that you would be working with Chris uh, down the road, uh, as everybody back in the 
Women's Music Days uh, often were on each other's albums. Uh, as you mentioned, Teresa Trall produced all your albums that you did, which were three, of which one of them, by the way, uh, hit the top 25 of uh, classic women's music uh, albums by Ms. Album Magazine. we did, don't doubt it, right, right. And, I, you know, I... <laughs> I collected these albums over the years myself and uh, up upstairs I have a bunch of vinyl lined up and a bunch of memorials of women's artists and lots of interesting stuff I've got and your album Don't Doubt It is right up there in front and you've got that short awesome. haircut Thank you. you got that that <laughs> 70s uh, look <laughs> to you and you were, right, right, you were a, right. y- a young young happening thing there on that it, album it, cover it's really funny when you line up the album cover <laughs> you can really through my hair oh yeah the evolution of styles you know <laughs> Yeah, you you kind of changed there, and and to the the, right. the most recent. But you know, the thing is, remain constant as you have the same photographer, and you know who that is. Mm. Well, you know that's because, frankly, Deb, I'm not stupid, and when a, when a photographer as incredible as Irene Young also happens to be your best friend, <laughs> you don't go anywhere else. In fact, I just got a an email before a phone call before a publicist <laughs> because I had sent her some pictures and she and she asked you know are these i are these also irene young and i sent her back and i said any picture i send out to the media <laughs> is going to be by irene young it's yes. a law yeah. <laughs> i'm sure it is i'm sure she enforces it and you're happy to have her enforce it because this woman well, she doesn't have to enforce it like i said i'm not crazy her work is so incredible you know irene right. is, um I, I try to bother her as little as possible these days because for the last year she's actually been working on putting out a book of her work. Oh, wow. And she did that years ago with a book called For the Record. And I've seen pages of the, this new book that she's putting together. Mm. And it's mm. like For the Record never happened. This new book that Irene Young is, uh, is coming out with is, is going to be absolutely stunning. Oh, my gosh. Well, her, her work yeah. is stunning. I mean, right. if you want to see how to do portraits, or do uh, incredible photography. I mean, you don't have to look very far right. except to see Irene Young's yeah, work. She, she, she's actually doing two books. One is going to be focusing on, on women's music and, and the, the women that she's worked with. But, you know, she also um, has worked with just about everybody in the general folk field. Um, mm. So there's going to be a second book that's um, more general. It's just, she's, she's an amazing photographer, has an amazing eye, and she is also a good friend with an amazing, amazing heart. Well, I couldn't ask for more than that. Um, you're a lucky woman, Deidre McCullough. You certainly- Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> You've, you've worked with and, and lived with and known some amazing women over those uh, many, many years that you've been recording, 50 years, <laughs> um, yeah. and and still going strong uh, with this brand new album, Endless Grace. And I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned Grace and this wonderful song that I ended with, which, by the way, we should talk about Amaryllis, which is probably uh, one of the more beautiful love songs I've heard in quite a long time, and is it the first time you've really talked about loving a woman? It, it really is, and I'm, I'm very proud of, of Amaryllis in that I realized years ago that there was this hole, this void in my work, in that there was not directly a love song 
um, where it was clear that the, the object of desire was female. Um, and most of that is because my interpersonal songs um, are generally in the second person, and I am talking to that person, so it's using you mm. or, or addressing. And for there to be, to me, a clear female, uh, you know, other side of the love, um, you have to find some way of talking about in the third person. Um, mm. and, I, and I couldn't quite pull that off for me. Other people have done it successfully, and I would go, huh, they can do it. Come on, you're, <laughs> you can do this. Um, and, but but I, really, I really felt that, that that was a void in my work because mm. although there are very, very strong hints, my mother felt sometimes too many hints um, <laughs> for her comfort level, um, uh-huh. If you did not know I was lesbian, you wouldn't know, really, I was lesbian. Mm. And I, I felt um, a need, especially in this, in this day and age of, of creating ourselves and not um, having lesbians and, and women be erased, that I wanted um, that to be cleared up. And mm. Amaryllis really clears that up. <laughs> it pretty much does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much does it. <laughs> Yeah, so, but I, I was, I'm very pleased that it, that it filled what I really felt was um, a, a, a lack in in my catalog overall. Well, you have such an amazing catalog, and I was going to ask you what your how how do you write these songs? I mean, does it did it just come on out? And you're just dreaming one night, and there's a song, or do you have to work pretty hard at it? Oh, I wish um, <laughs> one of the, one of the good uh, for years. I have primarily relied on inspiration for songs, um, which has had the result that I'm not a really uh, terribly prolific writer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, the gifts of the pandemic, and you know, we're looking for silver linings in this horrendous thing mm-hmm. that happened to us, is that um, I was able to really focus on developing the craft of being mm-hmm. a songwriter. and. That happened to to me by thank you YouTube. There are mm. so many different YouTube videos on songwriting, um, some of which were really valuable to me, and some of which <laughs> were totally worthless to me. It might be useful to somebody else, but you know when you come at things from different directions, you find things. Some things that work make sense to you, and, and some some that don't. And the things that I picked up from especially for a number of uh, videos coming out of the Berkeley uh, School of Music in Boston really helped me define my craft or, or work on my craft or realize it was a craft. Mm-hmm. When I relied totally on inspiration, if a song wasn't working immediately, then, okay, it's junk, never mind. And mm-hmm. I, would, I would let it go instead of, like, okay, you got the inspiration, it's a good start, now get to work. Mm. Um, and develop it further with craft. Also, um, I always assumed that because it came from inspiration that I had to develop the lyrics, the music, and the guitar part all at the same time. <laughs> and if one of those wasn't wow. working, I would discard, discard it. And you know, I learned that those are really separate elements that can be developed and mm. I gave also myself permission to be awful as a writer 
One of the uh, exercises, and I was just telling Jamie Anderson about this um, last week, was to write 40 songs in 40 days in 40 minutes. Oh, my goodness. I know. Um, Now, I did not, I did the 40 songs. I did the 40 minutes. I think I did it over two months. I just had other things in life to take care of, so I couldn't do 40 consecutive days. Um, I don't know if I was in this person's class if they required it to be a full song. I think I probably only got two complete songs. Um, but I was able to, in those 40 minutes, to come up at least with each thing, exercise that I worked on, a kernel of something, to dig inside of myself mm. that at least made a line or two real um, and, and valid. Um, it was also the first time that I ever would sit and write lyrics first hmm. and then have music to come with it. So, and, and also, when you're doing 40 songs in 40 minutes and 40 days consecutive or not, you are going to write junk. <laughs> and it's really important to give yourself permission to write junk. As I said to Jamie, I think we have to write the junk because the good songs are backed up behind it. Indeed. So if you keep the, if you keep the flow going as a discipline, the good songs are going to wander out from time to time. So I've gotten better about writing, and, and that's actually how Endless Grace happened. Because when I um, decided to do the album and and started fundraising, I actually did not have um, ten songs, which is what I was going for. I did not have ten songs I wanted to record. Oh my goodness! Um, and <laughs> That's I, pressure. I, 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 yeah, I, I, Jamie said the same thing. Like, are you crazy? <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I just took a tremendous leap of faith that um, I, I could do this, and I really, um, I really felt I came up with the, the songs that I wrote during the pandemic um, were from that discipline, from that new understanding of craft, and and I think for the ones that I recorded that I, I nailed it. Well, obviously you so did I nail learned, it. I, learned, I, I, also knew, I also knew it was going to take me a long time in a pandemic to raise the money that I needed. So I knew I had some time. You know, I said, okay, I probably have like six to nine months to mm. come up with these other songs. Which is better than 40 songs in 40 days and 40 minutes. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so you're giving yourself a break. Well, you couldn't, couldn't be talking to a better person than Jamie Anderson about songwriting and yes. writing in general. Yes. And you two have yeah, a Jamie long history. Has, has, yeah, J- Jamie, you know, even, uh, you know, we did the, the tours uh, with also Diane Davidson, the three of us, uh, for a couple of uh, seasons. Once a year, we would do small tours. Um, under the moniker, we aren't dead yet, um, because each each of us had heard from our fans, you know, from time to time. Oh wow, I thought you were dead. I hadn't seen you in so long. So we we did a, a trio round robin type show called We Aren't Dead Yet, which is which was big fun, and that's the most time that I spent with Jamie. But I have so much with with Jamie to be thankful for because um, back in 2008, when I needed to come off the road, not only because of the recession. But because my son, who I had been homeschooling, wanted to go to conventional school for high school, um, which meant that I couldn't tour because schools are very picky. They want you in the seat every day. So Mm. we couldn't leave town. Um, So, okay, how do I make a living? And Jamie uh, encouraged me, as she had been for years, 
to uh, develop a teaching practice and to teach guitar. Oh, great. And yeah, so um, I, I still have a couple of students and I maintain them because what I learned from starting this teaching practice and doing this has been so valuable. Teaching guitar has actually made me a better guitar player. Having to articulate what you do means you finally have to understand what you're doing and what maybe how you can do better or to look at resources. Um, so I am so thankful to um, my students for giving me the opportunity to grow. Um, so, you know, and I'm thankful to Jamie and also to Robin Flower who had told me years before, Deirdre, you should be teaching. Uh-huh. Um, Another but, great but guitar Jamie, player. Right. Now, Jamie is, is also, Jamie being Jamie and the, the well-rounded writer that she is, um, keeps wanting me to, to, to write a memoir. And I'm like, no, Jane, that's not <laughs> happening. But okay. You know, we got the teaching thing. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's been a yeah. great inspiration. By the way, I'm talking to Deidre yeah. McCalla here on The Women's Show, a brand new album called Endless Grace. And uh, you have filled this album with grace. Uh, as I mentioned, the Amaryllis, you mentioned about lying in your arms, the graceful arms. Uh, I, you have all the lyrics here. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and then I'm going to close with absolutely a stunning song, which I think is very, very high on the folk charts. I Do Not Walk This Path Alone, which mm. uh, you uh, are very inspired when you wrote that song. Um, yeah, that, that song, that is actually one of the songs that, that's been around um, for a long time as, as I've been working, crafting um, to make it work. And I'm just so proud that you know, we, Irene, besides doing my pictures, is also a videographer. Oh, wow. And it's, I, we, uh, she put together a video of the recording of I Do Not Walk This Path Alone. It was actually uh, selected for a premiere on Americana Highways um, in July, the, the premiere of the video wow. of, of this. Um, Julie Wolf and Vicki Randall listen to what I was doing as essentially kind of a pseudo Sweet Honey in the Rock uh, acapella version of this song which it's hard to do Sweet Honey in the Rock when you're only one person <laughs> kind of um, <laughs> but that you know but that, that's the roots that it was coming from and it was really important to me that the song you know bring in all the things in my life in our lives that that has gotten us to where we are, that we're not here um, magically all, you know, all done up and, and ready to go. We stand on other people's shoulders. There are people that have paved the way before us. There are people beside us, our, our circle of friends, um, who make our, help us make our way in our life. And that's really what the, the song is speaking to. And Julie and Vicki Randall really, you know, heard the ancestors, in a sense, of, of this song for me, which is, um, you know, culturally black music, but also culturally rooted, rooted in, in my love of, of country music and such. And they put this all together in this wonderful, energetic package. And at the pre-production meeting, the day before we started recording with, um, with, with Julie, I was, had a meeting with Julie, and she played for me the rehearsal that she had had with the band and where she was coming from. And she kind of looked at me hesitantly because it really was stretching the song 
from where it was, and I said, yes, that mm-hmm. is where that song needs to go. Even though there's a, there was a part of me that went into this project hearing from my radio person, you know, if you want it for the folk market, you kind of lay, got to lay back on the drums hmm. and not have, you know, you know, <laughs> too strong a rhythm section. Oh, come on. But, you know, we went into the studio the next day, did, did the first run through of I Do Not Walk This Path Alone. And I just threw the lyric sheet up in the air and I said, okay, my inner fogey has left the building, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and good for her. Um, this is, this is this song's life. This is its blood. And um, the band just, just, I want to say killed, but I guess that's, you know, we should get away from, you know, adjectives like that. They rocked it. They brought it home. Oh, Vicky yeah. Vicki Randall with Vicky the background Randall. vocals. Uh, and Vicki Randall, um, in case, uh, usually the background vocals, um, my one my one sad part of this, this album is that it's the first album that Linda Tillery was not available to mm. do background vocals on all my other albums mm-hmm. um my independent albums um, linda has been on but usually the background and vocals are done um by three or more people on this on endless grace the back background vocals are all done by vicky randall isn't she amazing the, the, <laughs> yeah the harmony the, in, fact, in fact i forget what song it was but there was a really low um, voice and Julie had mentioned to me that that perhaps the um, the drummer Nino was you know going to lay a vocal down and I said is that Nino's vocal on that album on, on on this particular song because if so I need to credit him and she followed it out and sent me the audio and she says no that low voice is Vicky also. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, what is what is her range? You know, so Vicky Vicky uh is all the background vocals on this. She actually uh recorded it um in her home studio and then delivered the files. Um I did Vicky did come in the studio. She was a great support for this album. She's also someone who's worked on my other albums and um generally I've I've been in such such awe of her amazing talent as a vocalist and mm-hmm. a percussionist mm-hmm. that I, I've been a little scared of her. <laughs> um, and this is really, but a lot of those times, Vicky would come in and do her work as overdubs so that I wasn't necessarily there. Um, Vicky was there for a lot of the recording, even when she wasn't working mm-hmm. um, with uh, on Endless Grace. And I got to know her more as a person. And she, God, she was so supportive and present for this project. I, mm. I, this album was graced um, also by Vicki Randall. Wow. Sure. And no wonder you call it Endless Grace. It's uh, yes, grace on every level. And to have uh, all these wonderful people working, as you mentioned, Vicki Randall. Uh, you did two production sites, one in San Francisco with Julie Wolf and uh, Vicki Randall. But you also were in Nashville with your good friend, Diane Davidson. Yeah, you know, because Diane had, had um, said for years that she wanted to produce me. And in fact, she's one of the reasons this album got done because she was part was a strong part of the chorus of people who said, Deirdre, you need to do another album. Um, so I really, really wanted to work with Diane. Um, and Diane um, produces with her partner, Larry Cheney, that they worked together probably 50 years mm-hmm. of them. And I also really, really wanted to work with Julie Wolf. I, um, uh, actually, I went to college with Julie's older sister, Joellen. 
mm-hmm. um, who was a grade below me, and I, I knew her as Aster. And, you know, Julie's reputation as a producer is immense. So I wanted to uh, work with both of them. So I decided to, to, to split the project. It was a little bit of a risk. On Playing for Keeps, if you look at the um, liner notes, there were also two producers, mm-hmm. Teresa Charles, produced part, and Lori Lewis. Um, the difference there being that um, both producers worked in the same studio with the same producer, the incredible Tom Size, who had done two other albums with me and who I just, uh, I'm so sad that, that he passed because I, I trusted him mm. beyond measure. So it was kind of, it was risky um, doing two totally different locations um, because of course it's the, the producers have different approaches and it's two different engineers with different ears and two different studios with different equipment. Um, and so I was a little concerned going in of splitting that much of the project about um, just a, a kind of a sonic continuity of things, uh, which is why one one producer uh, was mixing all the tracks. And that was um, Julie Wolf, who mixed, you know, she produced five of the tracks, but she mixed all 11 and oh, okay. I think that with her wonderful ear um, glued it all together um, and, and she made it work because when you, if you had heard the raw tracks before they were mixed you could see that they sounded similar but very different and they kind of had to meet somewhere in the middle and, and Julie pulled it off it, it, she's really um, she's, quite, quite an awesome awesome producer she's an incredible producer and she's done a lot of work for a lot of different people Right, producer and instrumentalist. I think she played uh, piano, accordion. She might have run in with, and done something with the banjo when we weren't looking. Um, <laughs> piano, organ, um, and I, I think a little bit of percussion. She, she really, I describe her as the, the a ninja instrumentalist. She's absolutely <laughs> um, amazing with a very big heart. Well, talking about a big heart, you have a big heart, Deidre McCullough, and I'm so excited that you have put out a brand new album after all these years, and you aren't dead yet? Nope. <laughs> and I'm not dead yet, you know? With all the driving that I'm doing, I, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I can continue saying I'm not dead yet. Yeah, but she's I'm, not dead I'm yet. I'm trying to pace myself with the touring, right? Well, I was going to ask you about how is it touring when you're, you know, you're getting up there like we have gotten up there? Uh, is right, it harder right. to do, to drive late at night, like drive all night like Jamie Anderson's first um, and, book? And that's just it. In fact, I was um, I don't know if you know Laurie Fuchs from uh, mm-hmm. from Lady Slipper, um, but I just saw her at a festival and we were talking about that. Um, I both of us used to like and almost prefer driving at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's less traffic, there's less distractions. Um, really, when it starts getting sundown, so does my energy. So I don't <laughs> I pace myself really differently. Yep. now than, than I used to, probably more sanely and, and in a way I should have been pacing myself in the first place. And, you know, so no, I'm not going to get um, 800 miles done in one day. I have to break <laughs> it up. Whereas a younger, more foolhardy me mm-hmm. would have, um, you know, tried to do it in one day, not at least, you know, knowing I couldn't do a show that same day, 
But, you know, if I do that many miles in one day, I'm not really very good for much of anything the next day. So, you know, you pace yourself. You pace yourself differently. And you need to learn, no matter what you're doing, whether it's touring um, or still, you know, going to your, you know, your lifetime job or or whatever. It's about listening to your body. Mm. Um, Hopefully that's what we learn to do. And pacing yourself and, you know, taking care of, uh, of what you're putting into your body in terms of food and nutrition and things that will energize you um, instead of dragging you down. One of my favorite meals is breakfast. Um, and I did learn long ago that when I'm on tour, I can't have, and I'm driving, I can't have breakfast for breakfast because the pancakes and syrup that I love uh, will put me to sleep as I'm driving. Um, so uh, one of my favorite things to do when I was touring with my son, and I actually did it coming home from uh, Michigan in the festivals, is to have breakfast for dinner. So uh, the first day of driving home from from the festival last week, uh, I stopped in Kentucky, uh, checked into the hotel, and went and found a Waffle House. <laughs> right. <laughs> Breakfast for dinner because Perfect. you crash, hey, you're going to bed anyway. So with, with, with all of us, I think um, it's learning to do things a little differently and paying attention to what our body is telling us is or is impossible. Well, and there you go. Words of advice from Deidre McCalla here on the Women's Show. I'm going to go with those words of advice. I think they make perfect sense. I'm going to have to wind this down. And um, how can people get a hold of you, Deidre, when you're not out there driving, Uh, going to pancake houses? (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Look for the the nearest Cracker Barrel. That's where you'll find it. Um, They, of course, can go to... uh, The best thing is to go to to my website, which is DeirdreMcCalla.com, and that's D-E-I-D-R-E-M-C-C-A-L-L-A.com. They can also look me up on Facebook. Um, you can look me up on Instagram, but I really haven't figured out how Instagram works, so <laughs> probably <laughs> through, through Facebook for you. or my website. The, the, the uh, album, Endless Grace, and actually digitals of all, all my albums can be found on Bandcamp. And through Bandcamp, you can you know do the digital download or um, a physical CD, which um, I will mail out. And for physical CDs that remain of with a little luck and playing for keeps, um, the legendary women's music distributor Goldenrod um, is selling those physical CDs for me. So Goldenrod.com for me and a host of other wonderful um, women artists that are still around. So. Um, just put me into any search engine, and um, about twenty thousand links will come up. Uh, <laughs> Probably to, to find me. Yeah, and and I'm you know I'm going to be out promoting um, Endless Grace for at least you know through 2023 and probably into 2024. Um, this evening I'm uh, doing an online event, the Greenwich Village Folk Festival, um, which I think is uh, from seven to ten. Um, they're streaming it through Facebook, and they have a YouTube channel, and they have their own website. One of the other wonderful performers on it, Lillian Nell, um, who is uh, a friend of mine from my Folk City days, Greg Greenway, who I just uh, met last week, um, and is an incredible songwriter. David Roth, another great songwriter. I used to do some of his tunes. So I'm excited about the Greenwich Village Folk Festival tonight, and uh, in, wow. um, I guess, on the 21st. So, uh Two weeks away, I'll be out in California doing the Berkeley edition of the album release celebration for Endless Grace at the Back Room in Berkeley. So I'm really excited about that show. It's been a while since I've done a full show in the Bay Area. And Julie Wolf 
will be playing with me on that show. So I'm really, wow. really excited. Have- now, you just have to figure out how I'm going to come back and uh, play in Lincoln. Well, that was you know, my question. I used, I, used, I used to play the Zoo Bar on a regular basis. Really? Uh, yeah, they, they had a tooth at the Zoo Bar on Tuesday night. It was acoustic folk night. Mm. And so at least once, once a month, um, I would play the Zoo Bar. I haven't been in there in decades. But mm. um, while I was there, they started this thing. I don't even know if it's still up there. But of putting huge pictures of the performers up mm-hmm. on the wall mm-hmm. in the zoo bar, and I was the first one up. Oh, my gosh. That, that they put up. I don't know if it's still up there. Oh, I bet um, it's there. Deidre McCullough yeah, in the zoo bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Howard Street Cavern, um, I don't know if that's still up in, in Omaha. I used to, to play a lot, and my bread and butter um, were two uh, lounges attached to restaurants at the Boar's Head Mm. Ruby something, something lounge or, or whatever. So I, I have really fond memories of the, the two years I lived in Nebraska. Yeah. Well, you're going to know your way around. Uh, you're going to just have to give you directions to the studio and you're going to just have to stop in when you're coming and you visit go. your old haunts. I, I would love to. Absolutely. That would be great. Well, it's been wonderful talking to Deidre. It's kind of like I've known you all my life and I kind of have. <laughs> Do your music. Uh, it's been great. And, of course, we've known lots of the same people over these many, many years. Uh, and Many, many years. Uh, and hopefully many, many more, Deb. Well, let's hope so. So in the meantime, we're going to go out with I Love This Song, uh, I Do Not Walk This Path Alone. And uh, any words you want to say about the song before I get into it and say goodbye? Uh, no, uh, just that, that if people want to, to see the recording of it and the really awesome video that Irene Young did, um, they can go, I have a YouTube channel that they can just put into a search and come up mm. and they can watch the, the video. Like I said, it premiered on Americana Highways, but now um, it's also available on my YouTube channel. Sounds absolutely wonderful. Deidre McCullough here on The Women's Show, and here we go with I Do Not Walk This Path Alone from her brand new album, Endless Grace. Thank you again, Deidre. It's been great talking to you. You're very welcome, Deb. Have a great rest of your show. You too. Good luck. and Safe uh-huh. travels. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.